There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. It has been quite the hectic day throughout the association, and we are still waiting to see if the Bulls are going to do anything. Welcome into the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host here, as always, and refreshing Twitter, as always, is what it seems like I've been doing these past couple of weeks with the Bears news. And now that we are on the NBA trade deadline, waiting to see if the Bulls get involved in all of these transactions that have been occurring the past couple of days. So I am recording this Thursday afternoon currently, and again, I'm refreshing Twitter constantly to see if anything's happening. And look, even if the Bulls don't make a move by the end of the deadline, there are still alternatives in different ways they can acquire certain players, and we'll get to that in a second. But naturally, the big news of the day, James Harden finally going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Did you think that was actually going to happen? Did you think it was just a bunch of bullcrap? And what do you think about it now that it's come to fruition? So first things first, I wanted to talk about this, and I can't remember if I mentioned it on this show. I know I definitely talked about it on Rush Hour. Of course, you can catch Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. So we had Will Hill on, and I've done a crossover podcast with Will before. He's the host of the New York City cast, and a bet that he had, and it's funny because I love getting into NBA futures. Last season, we did a lot of them, and with a lot of help from my buddy Jacob Roach, he was giving me some good tips, and we were kind of just going through the analysis of it, and he listens to a lot of podcasts that involve the writers who make these boats and they were trending toward and he would come on my show bet on chicago which another show you could catch saturday nights on wls 890 a.m 7 to 9 p.m central time i digress the point is we went through futures a lot we hit thibodeau 20 to 1 coach of the year we hit julius randall 20 to 1 most improved player so it's a market that i'm definitely infatuated with as of this point and i made some bets at the beginning of the season i mean preseason with most improved player and none of them are looking too great I've added a couple more, but the one I really liked, and Will Hill brought it up, was the Philadelphia 76ers 10-1 to to win the Eastern Conference. I think this was maybe two weeks ago at this point, maybe a week ago, whenever it was. And I'm hearing him saying this, I was like, wow. Because again, I haven't really been scavenging through the futures odds in the NBA at this point, still focused on football. And I'm like, 
man, I did not know they were double digits. If I did, I'd probably take a little bit of a piece of that. You have a really good Sixers team that still has the front runner for MVP. And at the time, yeah, you have the whole Ben Simmons debacle. You are going to need to bring on a piece. But look, uh, the value in double digits for the Sixers, a team that has taken care of the Bulls before they played this past Sunday, and just has the experience, I thought the value was way too high. So long story short, I wanted to bet it. Went home after work, got distracted, did some other things. On my way to work the next day, and sorry if you've heard this story or me tell it. I, for people who haven't, this was my thought process, and I wanted to bet it. And I was going to look at it, and right around the time I was going to look at it, uh, Shams tweeted out about the potential trade for Harden to go to the Sixers. More incentive to bet it, right? Well, before I could actually pull the trigger, the odds to win the Eastern Conference at Bet Rivers had already altered from 10 to 1 to plus 850. So I hurried up, jumped on the plus 850, may have had a, uh, a couple more bets involving that in different areas. And then I'm refreshing as I get into the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The thing goes down to plus 750. I think yesterday it was as low as 7 to 1 odds, something crazy like that. Now, of course, you're seeing it change dramatically. But the thought process, again, was the Sixers were still a really good team with value even without Harden. And because of the speculations, this gives it even more value. So I am feeling pretty great about the Sixers plus 850 to come out of the Eastern Conference. But let's look at, you know, kind of the thickness of this trade, right? I mean, who really wins at the end of the day? I'm hearing both sides. And you would think the immediate reaction would be, well, obviously the team with Joel Embiid and the team acquiring James Harden would be the team that is victorious in this transaction. But not the case for a lot of people. And I think a lot of it has to do with fans of the NBA just disliking Harden for the way that he has conducted his business over the past couple of years. But nevertheless, the Nets are going to be receiving from the Sixers Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Unprotected 2022 first-round pick and a protected 2027 first-round pick. Those picks way down the line always crack me up because how the hell do you even calculate that and who would care about that? Anyways, uh, the Sixers get back James Harden and they get Paul Millsap, a name that was somewhat flirted around potentially going to Chicago. But who wins this trade? Who do you think is the best team to benefit from this transaction. I still think it's got to be the Sixers. You know why? Because the Nets are in shambles regardless of who they bring in on there at that point. Kevin Durant, injured. Kyrie Irving, missing half the games. Now that Harden blew it up, what is the camaraderie and rhythm even going to be with this team? They were in shambles before this, and they just got slightly worse, missing your biggest contributor, right? Now, Seth Curry's a damn good player. Ben Simmons, who the hell knows what's going to be with him. I mean, he's a project and a half. Andre Drummond, sure, I guess he could be somewhat productive. Uh, the first round picks, well, you don't know what that's going to be. But for this moment, right now, to win in the present moment, the Sixers win that trade. Yes, you lose Seth Curry, who's a solid player. Yes, you lose Andre Drummond, who's going to be, a, he was a nice big man backing up Embiid. But at the end of the day, you can get some kind of, average guy to back up and be because of how dominant he is in that position group and when it comes to the postseason he's going to be in the game for a majority of the time anyways and Harden's going to relieve some of that stress that otherwise would be on the shoulders of Joel Embiid 
So I think it is going to work and I think it's going to work well. And that's an easy answer, but I feel like a lot of people actually just want to hate on it and say, no, it's not going to work. And you know what? Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe they don't win a championship. Maybe Joel Embiid and James Harden aren't going to have chemistry. Tobias Harris, what's going to be his deal? Tybal, I mean, everybody in the mix still, what is that going to look like? Clearly Harden wanted this to happen. You would think that would make him play better. Have a little bit less stress. Not have to deal with all the mayhem that he did with Brooklyn. He can be more loose. He can be calm. And he can have fun. Joel obviously needs help. Wants help. And he got help. The Sixers are a good coach team. And still have some decent depth. Despite getting rid of Seth Curry. That's probably your biggest miss. Andre Drummond. Alright. You got Embiid. It's nice to have him as a backup. But you'll be okay. Ben Simmons wasn't even playing. So really you're not giving up that much. The, the Sixers absolutely won this trade folks. They are going all in. They're doing what the Rams did to get to the Super Bowl. This is what you have to do in the NBA nowadays. To be a contender. Whether or not you like it. That's the way business is conducted in the association. And the Bulls really aren't playing by those rules. So how does that make you feel? And I'm saying that in the sense that the Bulls aren't giving away a lot of capital to bring in a big name guy. And it's not that a big name guy has been vocal and trying to go to Chicago. But the Bulls are trying to get it in a different way. They're trying to build from the draft. They're trying to build from free agency and build around the core team they have right now. Is that the right answer? Maybe. Is it the wrong answer? We don't know. We just don't know until the conclusion of the postseason. But now that Harden is on the Sixers team that is what? Already dismantled your team three times. Granted the last one. Dealing with injuries. But the Sixers are only getting stronger. It's looking tough for the Bulls. Now, I do think they have a really great team, even if they don't make a move. Everybody, I think, can agree with that. A healthy Bulls team can't compete with any squad, but can they beat any squad in a seven-game series? The Sixers now are going to be the favorite. At some books, they went from, what, 14-1 to to 6-1 to to win the finals. Eastern Conference, we're still waiting to see some of those specific odds posted. But for the finals, Brooklyn was 6-1. to Now they're 10-1. to Sixers were 14-1. to And now they're 6-1 to or 7-1 to right around that range. The Bulls, where's your confidence level now? I think everything remains the same to me. Because even if the Bulls, or excuse me, even if the Sixers did not have James Harden, they still had a better team than Chicago as of this point, based on what we've seen this season with the healthy Bulls team. This team has had playoff experience, playoff pedigree, the hopeful MVP in Joel Embiid. Like, I would put my money on the Sixers beating the Bulls in a seven-game series before the Harden acquisition. Now, post-Harden acquisition, I give even more conviction to Philadelphia. I'm sorry, Bulls fans, but that's the truth. And the Bulls are going to continue, hopefully, to be a really solid team. But going into it, I think realistically we all knew that this wasn't going to be their year. And them being a consistent one seed in the East has been surprising, pleasantly surprising. We also didn't envision this many injuries. And if there weren't, they probably still would be the top team in the East. But my point is, my stance has always been the cap or the ceiling, whatever you want to call it, for this Bulls team this year was making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. That was my ceiling that I put for this Bulls team, and I think the ceiling got even more sturdy after the James Harden move and because the Bulls didn't do anything. Now, again, it doesn't mean... Like, I still think they can get there with the current roster they have, 
but I don't think anything changes or improves or weak. I mean, it only weakens if you don't do anything because what are you going to do against the Sixers? How are you going to limit James Harden when you still have Tobias Harris, when you still have Tybal, when you have Embiid is a player who you have literally no one to contain him. And I know you can only hope to contain him, but some players can do it a little bit more efficiently than Nikola Vucevic, who will be eliminated from the offensive side of production if he doesn't have any help to limit as much as you can Joel on the defensive side. So that's the issue. Yes, his Bulls roster is great. It's fun. It's awesome. They love each other. All of that. But is it a championship roster? Is it a representative of the Eastern Conference type of roster? Truthfully, it's not. Definitely not now. Because you don't have that big man to help out. Dennis Schroeder, cool, he'll bring some points. But what's he going to do to limit Embiid? Tony Bradley getting a little bit better. There's no chance he's stopping Embiid. Vooch, he played his ass off the other day against the Sixers and Embiid. Embiid still dropped 40. He still dropped 40. So that's the thing, guys. And look, you could say, well, Harden doesn't have... Yes, he does because it's just more options for the Sixers team. I'm not mad at AK. I'm not disappointed. I don't think they're making the wrong decision if they don't do anything. I think they're processing it. I think they are letting things unfold and realizing they don't have to make any abrupt maneuvers to try to play catch up with some of these teams, a.k.a. the Philadelphia 76ers. You don't want to ruin the core chemistry of this team and this group that hasn't been able to play constantly altogether. So that could be the approach you're looking at them. They did so well turning this team around in such a finite amount of time. We don't know the limit of them. Obviously, I'm speculating what I believe is their ceiling, but I think that's a realistic and legitimate expectation to have. It's just, you kind of wish for once the Bulls were involved in one of these blockbuster trades, right? You kind of wish everybody was like, wow, now the Bulls are the outright favor. You want your team to be in that position. The Bulls haven't yet. But that doesn't mean they're not building toward it. But how, how long are you going to have this window open? This year? Next year? Can you guarantee it the year after that? I don't know. Can you guarantee DeRozan's playing at a high level this season and that he'll be doing it next season? No, you can't guarantee that. And I want to say, can you guarantee these guys stay healthy, which is true, but it's almost like, how could you get worse, you know, knock on wood, than what they have endured this year? I don't know, folks. I just... I'm not too disappointed because, again, my expectations were the Eastern Conference Finals at best. And I think this trade that the Sixers just took or made, whatever you want to call it, solidifies that even further. And I have nothing against AK in this front office. Fantastic. Given the most hope to a Chicago team in quite some time, folks. So you got to trust them. You got to have faith. And we'll root for this team. If they keep Kobe, Pat, Io, you know, some guys rumored in the uh, trade mill, whatever it is. Awesome. Let's see what they can do. And then, assuming they get eliminated at a higher stage in the postseason, assess that in the offseason. Look to see what players you can bring on. Trade. Maybe get a steal late in the draft. Doubtful. You're not going to get another guy like Io. That's kind of a, you know, it's a diamond in the rough right there. But, man, you need a big guy. And you need one desperately. Still time, as I'm recording this, about a half hour left. And still other things they can do. 
in the buyout market. Uh, Casey Johnson was tweeting this out. So Woj tweeted out how the Spurs, they were trading for Goran Dragic and expected to negotiate a contract buyout with Dragic among the interests it expected to be Dallas, Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, and the Los Angeles Clippers. So Bulls is Casey was tweeting. Then he quote tweeted it saying would have to waive a player, make Kenny or Thomas to sign somebody in the buyout market, the roughly 3 million from luxury tax. So it's doable. Franchise has paid luxury tax only one time. Is Goran Dragic going to be the solution to this Bulls team? No. But is it going to be an aid to this team? Certainly. Experience, play solid defense reasonably. Maybe not at this age anymore. And I guess can facilitate well enough. I'd probably prefer a Schroeder over a Goran Dragic, if I'm being honest. But at this point, Bulls fans just want to see the team get involved and to get anybody that they can get their hands on. But again, at the end of the day, you knew what the limits were for this team. You know you can trust AK. Let's not overreact too much to what happened with the Sixers. But they did what was necessary, and they did the right thing by bringing on James Harden. Dumping the dumpster fire that was Ben Simmons. And I'm not saying him personally. I get there may be mental health issues and everything there, so I'm not knocking the guy in that standpoint. But what he did or didn't do to that roster, you had to get rid of him. You had to. He was the weak link. Brooklyn's problem now, let me compete for a championship now, is what Daryl Morey is saying. Good for you. Good for Philly fans. Good for our guy, Ryan Rostein. I bet he wishes he said that he liked the Sixers 10-1 to like I did when we had our crossover episode. He liked the Bulls a little bit more at 12-1, to but man, the Bulls are what? Like 25-1 to now to win the finals. 30-1 to in some bucks. It's not the year. We'll see what happens unless I... If they got a Yaka Pirtle just for, you know, just for kicks, throwing that out there, I don't think he necessarily makes them an immediate contender, but I would think the chances that they could go to seven games and maybe win against the Sixers gets a little bit more legitimate. It's hard to turn a franchise around in one year. Look at the Bengals. They've done it, but football's a little bit different. It only takes one game. You got to be great and better than the other team for one game. Anything can happen. Any given Sunday, baby. That's why they say it. That's why the movie's called that. Basketball, you kind of weed through the week because of these series. Because of a longer season and because you have seven game series in the postseason. The best team truly finds a way to win. You don't really get lucky in the NBA. I always like to go back to this series, but the Bulls and the Celtics, 9 when they had that seven game series. Everyone's like, how do the Bulls keep winning these games? Well, in the end, Celtics took care of business because they were the better team. But the Bulls had a lot of fight. And that's what the Bulls team right now has. But they don't have the makings and the experience as a collective group to overcome a beast like Philadelphia that just got better. It is what it is, folks. But that's the state of the Chicago Bulls right now. Let me know how you feel about it at Danny Burke 5 or you can follow me on Twitter. I know everybody's complaining about hardened moving teams, but realistically, how can you blame them? How can you? Kyrie was pissing you off because he couldn't play in at the games. Kevin Durant was injured. You didn't get to play with the guys that you signed up to play for. And it's hilarious because overall, after all of that nonsense, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden played 16 games in just 364 minutes altogether. That's disappointing. Imagine being a Brooklyn fan in this, in this spot. And you're just like, oh my gosh, we're going to be dominating this league, you know, year after year. And then last year happens and it stunk. You missed out because of injuries and you missed out by a minimal inch in Kevin Durant's foot. 
And then you're like, this year, it'll be all right. Then you get the whole Kyrie vaccination debacle. And then this happens. You're like, what the hell just transpired? Now, people are saying Brooklyn got better. And maybe so. But it's not a championship team. Well, let me take that back. It can be a championship team if Kyrie Irving can play in all the games. If he doesn't, it's not. Kevin Durant can only do so much. Seth Curry, I think, will be awesome. Ben Simmons, will he play? Who knows? That's going to be a fascinating storyline to watch unfold. And honestly, I'll low-key root for the guy. Like, I, I've had nothing against him. I know Ryan Rothstein may say otherwise. But it would be hilarious if Ben Simmons comes out and just dominates now with the Nets. I'm not going to lie. I think that would be hilarious. Because we've got no skin with the Sixers or the Nets. We only want to see them fail as Bulls fans. So to see utter just nonsense and destruction happen to either of the teams, I think would be hilarious. But that's kind of the beauty of the Bulls team in a sense is that you're not trading these big name guys and just throwing them in the mix, right? If you can build that chemistry, that can take you a long way. Look at the Milwaukee Bucks. You didn't trade for Giannis. You didn't trade for a huge name guy. You got some above average guys, but otherwise you built up. So it's doable. It is. But again, same argument. Who's going to stop Giannis? You look at the Suns. Yeah, you bring on Chris Paul, but that was a veteran Chris Paul and a over his prime Chris Paul. But now he's playing like he's an MVP from last season to this season. Not as much, but still great Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton you drafted. Devin Booker. You know what I mean? Like Bridges. Like they built up too. So it's not unrealistic to think this Bulls approach can't be viable in terms of representing the East. I just don't know if it's this season, guys. Next year seems like the legitimate shot to do so. This year is for sure. I mean, they've been the top team in the East for a while. Not currently, but they have. You know what I'm saying? But it just seems like to do this in one year the way they built it up, like when you build a super team, when you already have had a team that's had the postseason experience, you can win it instantly. But when you build it around some of your core players, you flip it around with some signings, and you haven't had the postseason experience as of late, it's a lot harder to do so. It doesn't mean it's impossible, just means the chances are a little bit slimmer. All right, coming up next, we don't have too much to talk about with other Chicago sports. Blackhawks finally got a win. Who the hell would have thunk it? Bulls got a nice victory last night. Um, I do want to give a couple plays out. I'll be talking about it on my show Rush Hour as well. But since we don't have as much to go over, and I'm, I'm telling you, I keep refreshing this Twitter page, and hopefully something happens and we can talk about it manana. But uh, what I'm trying to say is I'll give you some material that we can get through for this show. So in the meantime, while I keep refreshing, stick around. Coming back, I'll give you some props and a hockey bet that I'm rolling with for Thursday evening. Place your legal sports bets at BetRivers.com. Your new home for sports betting. Millions of betting options a year on the sports you love. We offer live in-game betting on major sporting events worldwide. Tons of bets available during games from money lines, prop bets, and many more. Sign up now and we'll match your first deposit up to $250. More bets, better odds, more action. Place your sports bets at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or somebody who has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral service can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Okay, time to dish out some best bets here on the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here, as always. Again, you can catch my other show, Rush Hour, on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. 
I'm looking. Sorry, I'm a little distracted because I'm just trying to, like I keep saying, refreshing all of these, um, all of these tweets about what's happening at the trade deadline. And I'm just seeing so many people, my friends included, just complaining <laughs> about what's happening in the NBA and how they hate it. And the Orlando Magic Twitter account is making some funny tweets about cash considerations. And they have like the meme of Squidward from SpongeBob going like, future, like future cash, con uh, cash considerations. Yeah, I guess that's going to be a niche group to understand that. But it's pretty funny. All right, another trade right now. Wizards are trading Spencer Dinwiddie to the Mavericks. There's one. Mavericks are trading Porzingis to Washington. Holy cow. Somewhat significant trade right there. You heard the rumblings about Porzingis and Dallas and Luka and I don't know everything there. I mean, it didn't seem like it was a viable fit. The Mavericks are almost like if you're a fan of them, they're kind of an infuriating team because you know you're right there with Luka and Porzingis isn't the guy to get you there. Not that Dinwiddie is per se, but uh, you had to do something. I I don't know, man. I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, that's that's really the the latest news for this trade deadline. So Wizards trading Dinwiddie, Wizards getting Porzingis. Wizards team is in an interesting spot right now. We know Beal's out for the year, so I don't know. They're kind of in shambles regardless, but that's the latest news for the trade deadline. Okay, let me give you some of these best bets now as I try to multitask looking at these tweets and also giving you some plays. Let's start with some of that NBA action tonight. Grizzlies and Pistons. Detroit is a terrible team. That is quite evident. And a guy who's been doing well for the opposing team and may do well against his brutal team is Jaron Jackson Jr. Points prop of 17 and a half over is even money. Under is minus 125. Now, as of this point, Jaron Jackson Jr., he's averaging 17 points per game this season. He has gone over 17 and a half points in 27 out of 55 games. Looking at his shot selection, 35% of his shots come from beyond the arc. 31% come from mid-range, and 34% come within four feet of the bucket, a.k.a. at the rim. He is connecting on 32% of those shots from three, 40% from mid-range, and 60% at the rim. So the Pistons, defensively, not a good unit. That's, again, fairly evident. Uh, they are allowing opponents to make 37.2% of their shots from beyond the arc. Almost as bad as the Bulls, not quite, but they are 29th, so second worst. 43% of the shots are being made against the Pistons from mid-range, that's 24th, and then 64% from or at the rim, which is 10th in the NBA. Overall, Detroit ranks 26th in defensive effective field goal percentage, 54.5%. Now, considering a majority of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s shots come from beyond the arc, you would go, all right, well, what's his three-point prop? And because of how bad the Pistons are defending the three, but nevertheless, the number is one and a half threes, and the over actually had some plus money, so it's very intriguing, don't get me wrong. But from beyond the arc, he's actually been slacking as of late. He really hasn't been going over it consistently. Doesn't mean that's going to be the case for this game, but maybe a little bit more conviction should be directed toward his points prop. And it's a prop at 17 and a half that he has gone over the last four games in a row and even longer than that, the last eight out of 10 games. Now he has played against the Pistons once this year. He stayed under his three point mark, only went one of four from beyond the arc and overall just got 11 points. So that could make you a little bit worried, but take into consideration that the Grizzlies were dominating that game. 
And they could do the same this game. I'm aware of that. But the Grizzlies won 118-88. Only played 27 minutes. Maybe you could get him 30-plus. And if you do, hopefully you could get him over 17.5 points. Again, he's been playing a lot better since that point, And he's been a lot more consistent. So I like that the over is even money. If it was like mine, if it was flipped like minus 125 to the over, I wouldn't be as enticed to do so. But I think we can get Jaron Jackson on a nice hot streak here against a bad team. And we could get him scoring at least 18 points. So Jaron Jackson Jr. over 17 and a half points is my first play in the NBA. Numero dos, how about Devin Booker, the Suns taking on the Bucks, a rematch of the NBA Finals, and you're getting two of the best teams in the NBA, and you're getting the best one at least with Phoenix in terms of how they've been playing. You know this is going to be an incentive-driven game for Phoenix. I mean for both, but more so for Phoenix trying to get revenge, saying they're the top team in the NBA now. We're at home. We are the top dogs. So Devin Booker will be ready for this moment, and that takes me to betting his points prop 27.5 to the over, minus 105. Devin Booker's averaging about 26 points per game this season. He has eclipsed the mark of 27.5 in 22 out of 47 games this year. More recently, he's gone over 27 and a half in the last 12 out of 14 games, folks. That is incredible. So you add all those stats in, you add in that he's got the chip on his shoulder, more incentive to dominate against Milwaukee. And furthermore, because of Milwaukee, we got to look at their defense and why this may be beneficial for Booker. Defensively, Milwaukee really has been slacking from mid-range. And that's relatively compared to their whole defense as a unit. They're pretty solid, but where they do have some weaknesses is from mid-range. Milwaukee is allowing opponents to shoot 42% from mid, that's 17th in the NBA. Devin Booker, 53% of his shot attempts come from mid-range, and he's connecting on 46% of them. To be even more specific, to really get into the nitty-gritty of it, he's making almost 50% of his shots from long mid-range. They're short mid-range, long mid-range, and then all they combine. But more specifically, and these are all courtesy of cleaningtheglass.com, 50% he is making of his shot attempts from long mid-range. And you look at the Bucks defensively, they are allowing opponents to make 44% from long mid-range, 27th worst in the NBA. Could be a good matchup for Booker tonight. Also considering that he averaged over 28 points against Milwaukee in that six-game series in the finals where he went over this mark of 27.5 in three out of six of those games. I'm thinking Booker goes off again with the spotlight on him. So give me Devin Booker over 27.5 points. Minus 105. Finally, won't spend too much time on this one, but I'm looking at a hockey play tonight. Carolina and Boston, the Hurricanes on the road against the Bruins. Carolina opened up about minus 130, and now they're upward to like minus 140, minus 150, depending on where you shop. But let me double check at Bet Rivers. I think minus 136 is a number I got on the Hurricanes. Now they're up to minus 148. I would play it anywhere up to minus 150. Ideally, you don't have to go over that. But the Hurricanes taking out a Boston team that's coming off a 4-2 loss versus Pittsburgh the other night. And they're going to be missing a plethora of players. Uh, they're missing... Who are they missing? I know, Okay, here we go. They're missing their captain, Patrice Bergeron. He is injured. He is out. Along with him, Brad Marchand. Um, he has suspended six games for throwing a punch at Tristan Jerry. The Penguins goalie. Yeah, I don't know. It was a whole debacle. But uh, Marchand is out for this game. And then Tuka Rask, he wasn't really making too much of an impact, only played four games, but he is officially retired now. 
Uh, Tevo Teravainen, familiar name around these parts. He could return after missing the last four games from injury for the Hurricanes. And the beneficial side, goalie-wise, in my opinion, goes with the Hurricanes, who are putting in Frederick Anderson, who's 24-6-1 overall this year with a 2.08 goals against average number and a save percentage of 93%. On the road this season, he's been a beast, 13-3-1. 2.04 goals against average and a save percentage of 92.7%. Versus Boston, he has defeated the Bruins twice and in two games has only allowed one goal. 64 out of 65 shots he has saved against the Bruins. Save percentage of 98%. He has beat them 3-0 and most recently 7-1. Yulmark looks like he'll be tending the net for Boston. He's 16-6-1, 2.64 goals against average, save percentage of 91%. At home, he's solid, 9-2-0. Uh, he played against Carolina just a little bit in those two games, only played 40 minutes, but did let in two goals. So 20 shots or 22 shots, and he saved 20 of them. I think Carolina's in a little bit better spot right now. The market reflects that. The players being out for Boston is going to hurt. Carolina's lost their last two, but it's time to get their guy Anderson back in the mix and beat the team that they have controlled this season once again. So I bet the Hurricanes, I think the number was minus 136 or minus 139, but regardless, would bet the Hurricanes up to the price of minus 150. So along with that, we are doing Booker over 27 and a half points and Jaron Jackson Jr. over 17 and a half points. By the way, he's been a popular defensive player of the year pick. I know uh, JVTV since NBA betting analyst, how did that a while back? And I got involved in that. I think I got him at 40 to one. The dude's like, I don't know. Let me double check to see if Bet Rivers has it posted, but he's down to like single digits now. So that's all I mean. These NBA futures are awesome, man. I highly suggest that you listen to uh, JVT on the edge here on VEASAN. Go to his write-ups on VSIN.com. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson Jr., now 6-1. Yeah, so uh, he's had some momentum go his way, to say the least. Now these odds are posted at Bet Rivers. Championship odds, Nets are still the short shot at plus 450 along with the Warriors. Look, that doesn't mean they think that they are going to win. A lot of that has to do with the liability that the books have on the Brooklyn Nets, meaning they have a lot of money on Brooklyn from bets before the season or during, or, or during so they don't want to make them even higher to the point where even more bets are going to go on them based on value and have more of a liability. So some books may be like that. Bet Rivers, one of them. Warriors plus 450, Suns are 5 to 1, Bucks 6 to 1, and the Sixers are 7 to 1 to win the NBA Finals. Eastern Conference odds, the Nets still the short shot 2 to 1, but then come the Sixers at 3 to 1, Bucks are 3 to 1, Heat are plus 550, Bulls move down to 15 to 1. Now, you could actually if the Bulls get lower than 15 to 1 just based on value may not be the worst look to consider. As for the finals, the Bulls are tied with the Grizzlies at 30 to 1 odds above the Nuggets, but 30 to 1 for Chicago. If you're going to make a bet on Chicago, I think at the highest I would do would be Eastern Conference Finals. And then you could hedge from there on out or do something. But I think they can reach the Eastern Conference Finals. I just don't know if they're ready to win it. We'll see. One more refresh for Twitter. See if I missed out on anything. Doesn't seem like it's still the latest news is Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Going to Washington to play with the Wizards. So I'll tweet out anything, obviously retweet, give my thoughts, whatever on Rush Hour or on Twitter. If anything comes 
to the business of the Bulls transaction-wise. I'm thinking they're not going to do anything till after with maybe a buyout, and it's not going to be anything too crazy, guys. I was hoping they'd get a big man to help out, and maybe they still will. But at the same time, let's have hope with the team we got. They need help. Maybe if they just play lights out for a series. I don't know. I'm trying to be overly optimistic, but it's just hard to when he's still got to go against the likes of Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid. And maybe this Nets team, if Kyrie can somehow play in a majority of games, will be top dogs. And he got the Miami Heat, man. It's a tough Eastern Conference. It is for sure. So we'll see. But thank you, as always, for tuning in to another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers again at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. My show Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Marquee Sports Network, where you can get a hold of that, as well as Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, so wherever you get your podcasts, and then VSIN.com or the VSIN app. That is VSIN.com. Take care, folks. We'll catch up again tomorrow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.